Well, glory to God. I feel like just shouting with you. I feel the Lord in this place tonight. You know, there's nothing wrong with giving the Lord a hallelujah. You sang about that this morning, too. Here we are tonight giving a hallelujah to the Lord. A universal word that spans all languages, all generations, all people. When you shout hallelujah, everybody knows what you're saying. A lot of things you can say, people say, well, I get an idea what they're saying. But when you say hallelujah, the whole world knows what you're saying. Sharon and I have been privileged to visit in different countries around the world. And we get into a church service. I can't understand a lot of the stuff. But I say hallelujah. I'm right there with them. So we can say hallelujah to the Lord. Well, I certainly enjoyed being here with you this morning. And, and I've enjoyed being here with you today. I sent Pastor Purdue a text this afternoon. He said, how'd it go? And I said, oh, it went great. I said, you just take another week or two. Uh, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be just fine. Just, just, just come back whenever you're ready. And we'll, you know. Uh, I was serious. I don't think he was, but I was. But uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I enjoyed being with you. And, and maybe the next time he sneaks off or you, you cause him and tell him to take a vacation, as you should, uh, sort of force him to do it. Uh, it'll, it'll be good for him and good for you. Have him to call me, and I'll drive down and preach for you. And we'll have a great time together. Amen. Good-looking group. You came back tonight. Praise God. Give somebody a hand clap. Amen. I remember the last time here on Sunday night, I, th I, th I thought the rapture took place, and I missed it, you know. Uh, but uh, tonight, I think we're all still here, and you're here. Miriam, I didn't mention you this morning, dear. Good to see you. You're in church today and back tonight, and all of you. Good to see Roy and Sandy, uh, family and friends, going back. Saw them at lunch today, and they said, we're going to be there tonight. I said, come on over, and uh, we're glad to have you. And all of you uh, here, it's just great to be back home and to share. Sharon and I have a have a warm place in our heart for, for Gap Hill and for the work. And if it means anything to you, uh, every Saturday night before we go to sleep, there's a list of things we pray for. And one of the things we pray for is the services here at Gap Hill. Isn't that right? We pray that God would touch your pastor, that God would touch you, God would minister to, to the church in a special way. We're not going to stop that. We're going to continue that. I just ask you, when you pray on Saturday night, throw my name in there. Because uh, usually I'm somewhere speaking or in service somewhere, and I can always use the anointing of God's power and presence. Well, you know, when I, when I, was, I was asked to come, I really debated on, on how to minister. And, um, you know, after preaching for 46 years, um, a lot of messages, a lot of thoughts, a lot of ways you can go. But I just didn't want to pull a good one out of the box or find a good one on the iPad and preach it. I want to preach what God wanted me to share. And, and I really feel like this morning that as I begin this series on cast down, that it was, it was God's plan for this particular hour. And I've had so many of you after service this morning and before service tonight come to me and confirm that. And uh, I hope by the time tonight's over, you'll still feel the same way. Because I have a couple of points tonight that, well, you'll find out when we get there. But, you know, if, if, if the Word of God and, and the principles of God's Word do not sharpen us and quicken us, we can't be moved. You know, if, if, we, if we just continue to go along in that comfort zone I spoke of this morning and nothing that can be verified by the Word of God can challenge us, then something's wrong with us spiritually. I learned a long time ago, I didn't get it all when I got saved. I didn't receive everything when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was just the beginning point, and from there, God has continued to work miraculously in my life, and I thank Him for that. You see this, the text on the screen tonight, if you've, if you've got your Bibles, open them there. And um, I, I want to pray, and then we're going to share. Father, I just ask again tonight that the Holy Spirit captivate our minds and our hearts and our thoughts together, that we will glean and we will learn and we will grow from your word tonight. God, I pray that you would just clear our minds of all those things that would hinder us from receiving. Help us to turn up our spiritual antenna and let us hear what the Spirit would like for us to hear tonight. 
God, I would never say anything to offend a soul. I would never say anything and direct to someone. I'm strong enough. I can talk to anybody. But God, your word can do things that we can't. In fact, your word says it goes through to the, to the bone and marrow and gets into places that even the doctor's scalpel can't get to. And I pray tonight that your word would touch our hearts and our spirits and draw us unto you that we will not find ourselves in a cast position spiritually. And that that you do, we give you praise and glory, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen and amen. And look at your neighbor and say, I want you to listen. And if I see you dozing, I'm going to punch you, I'm going to kick you, I'm going to shake you, I'm going to do something. Because I want you to, just kidding. All right. Everybody stayed awake for me this morning. You'll be awake, I'm sure. Now, I've chosen tonight to read from Psalm 42. This morning I read from Psalm 37. And just to reiterate a little, I read from Psalm 37 where it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord delights in his ways, and if he were to fall and be struck down, cast down, that the Lord would lift him up with his hand. That's the first place in Scripture where it talks about being cast down. This is the second place in Scripture where it talks about it. There's another couple of places in the 42nd chapter, and there's one place in the 43rd chapter of Psalm, the 43rd Psalm. And if you know, when the translation of Scripture was done by, by a king and, you know, about 400 years ago, the Scriptures that we have were not in the verses and chapters we have now. The King James and his translators did that, and they did that for reference for us. So actually, when you look at chapter 42 and 43, you can see where those two chapters just sort of fold together. In, 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 a, in, a, in a, a writing. In fact, you can almost go back to chapter 37 and put it together. But I'm saying that to say there's only a really a couple of places in Scripture where this particular term of being cast down is mentioned. But it's such a powerful expression of what happens to us spiritually. And in every case that it's mentioned, David refers to being cast down in his soul, to being cast down in his spirit. He makes the corollary between that of a sheep being cast down to us as individuals being cast down in our spiritual walk. And he says here, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance when he looks on me, when his, his, his presence lifts me up. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Now, put that first picture up there. I think I didn't put your little thing up there. Thank you again for your great work. You know, I, I showed up some others this morning, and I found several. There's a question in this one. This, this little sheep may be dead. I don't know, but it's cast. It fell on its back there against that, that fence, and it's, it's there in a position that it cannot get from. It cannot move its legs. All it could do was move them until they got stiff and they're sticking up, the back ones in particular. The, leg, the front ones begin to curl as the gases build up in its system and, and, and the neck begins to tilt back trying to get air because gases are building up in its abdomen and its lungs and it's trying to find that little spot of place to get air in its trachea. Whether it's dead or not, I don't know, but it, if it's not, it's close to it. You can tell, tell it. But this is a very bad situation to be for a sheep. It's a very terrible situation to be. And the corollary here in scripture is David says, my soul is cast down. My, my spirit within me is in a position that it cannot respond as it should. And he said, my hope is not in myself. My hope is in God. My hope is that God will come to my rescue. The great shepherd will come to my rescue and bring the relief to my life. Now this morning, I'm not going to preach that message again. I think it'll be on, on Facebook or something. I see them from time to time. I don't know. But uh, th those five points, I'll just state them and go on. I said the sheep will find itself in that disposition when things are too comfortable. When it gets into a comfortable place and it just sort of rolls itself there and it's stuck. Too many believers are stuck in a comfortable place. I said it'll get there when there's too much baggage on its life, when its wool is filled with, with, with burrs and, 
with dirt and manure and and, and cucumbers and, and, and all kind of things, and it gets, just gets heavy, so heavy that it just tumbles over and it becomes cast as a picture show. I said so sometimes it, it happens at a time of too much success, when it's got too fat, when it's got too, 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 too porky, like, like me, I said. And, and it just seems like it, it has so much weight off of balance that it's easy for it to be cast over. And many Christians today have got to that place of success. They've been successful in business. They've been successful in finance, successful in their home and their possessions. And that has led them to a place to where they are comfortable and they have too much success and they become spiritually cast. I said, fourthly, when their head is too high in the air. Remember that realm up there? Looking out over, trying to find that you to convince her that his presence was magnificent and and, and through that process of looking up and not looking around him creates the opportunity for to, to be in a cast position. Too many people got their head too high in the air. They got their nose too high and their knees not low enough. And because of that, they find themselves in a cast position. The fifth one I said this morning is when they walk too close to the edge, when they're traveling and to get too, too close to the edge of the cliff that another sheep bumps them and they fall over the edge or they, they step in a, in, a, in a little rut or something and they lose their balance and they fall over the edge and the shepherd has to take his staff and pull them out if he sees it. If not, they can become cast and die. That brings me to number six, seven, eight, and nine. I told you there was, there was nine and I've got four tonight. Number one, number six tonight is when they move too fast. I didn't know a sheep could do that. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Now, I remember growing up in, in, in South Carolina over, over in Pickens, and my brother Stuart, some of you may know Stuart, he, he loves animals. I, I love animals. I, I, I love them. I love steak. I love lamb chops. I love shrimp. Uh, yeah, that's about, about as close as I get. But but Stuart had a bunch of uh, a bunch of goats, and uh, uh, this goat came out of the mountains there at the edge of the, uh, the Appalachian Mountains there at the Upper Pickens County, and came down to where he had those nanny goats. Don't need to go any farther, do it. And this was a beautiful. I've never seen Sharon saw it. The most beautiful ram goat I'd ever seen. And it had these big, long, I mean, long, curly horns. It was the kind that, I, I've never seen one as pretty as it was. White as snow. So Stuart got it caught, and he built a fence around this little pen where they were about 10 feet high. He came out the next morning. The fence was fine, but the goat was gone. Now, that tells me, when I saw this picture, I thought of him. I could just see him with those horns just sailing across that fence. But, but, but sometimes... They get to moving too fast, want to get ahead of the crowd. They want to get ahead of the shepherd. When the shepherd is leading them from one pasture to another, the sheep would, would rush ahead of the shepherd and, and, and not get too far away, but go ahead on unlooked un at, un unscouted trails and would find themselves in a situation of being cast. Too many people today get too fast sometimes in their spiritual walk. Now, I believe we ought to get as much of God as we can as quick as we can and as often as we can. But sometimes you can get too so fast that, that, that you get involved in selfish pursuits and you get into a situation to where it's not, it's not productive spiritually. I, I, I don't have a lot of time tonight to preach all I'd like to say, but in the history of the Church of God, as you go back and you read, you've ever read the book Like a Mighty Army, be a good book to read. It's not just a history of the Church of God, but the Pentecostal movement in general. When the Pentecostal movement began about 125, 30, 40 years ago, that they were so hungry for the Spirit of God, they sought for things like holy lidite and holy dynamite. And, and, and they, 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 they even tried to go past the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were so eager to get so much of God that they, that they went faster than they should have went. And it brought condemnation. In fact, it is that kind of of, of pursuit of something that was in, in addition to Scripture that brought for several years a condemnation on Pentecost because it, it put us out in the left field and put us in a position that we were overemphasizing what Scripture said 
and it brought condemnation to our church and to Pentecostalism in, in general. Thank God in the past, you know, 15, 20 years, we've learned to stick to the Word of God, and, and I'm for the move of the Spirit and running in the Spirit and jumping over the pews and whatever it takes when the Spirit moves on you, but I want to make sure it's the Spirit and not something that I'm wanting just because I want something greater than I already have now. And sometimes people, when they are new Christians, they, 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 they find themselves looking for something that they shouldn't have. In fact, they, they find themselves moving too fast. Timothy told us this, or Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without selfish control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That in, the, in the days we're in, there are going to be those that are going to be trying to go too fast. And they're trying to find things that satisfy them in a personal way. Now, I love to see what God is doing in, in many of our major cities around the country and, and, and see what's called mega churches. You ever heard that term? Mega churches. You, and you've seen those things. You might have watched uh, YouTubes or, or whatever of some of these mega churches, and it seems like they've got people lined up and they're coming by the thousands. But what I'm seeing when I study their doctrine is many of them, they're not studying for holy lidite or holy dynamite, but they're finding a way for everything to be okay and finding a way to pacify the, the minds of everyone. And when they preach and when they share what they call the gospel, it's, it's a, it's a watered-down gospel. It's not a, a gospel that comes from the direction of the Holy Spirit, and there's not the intriguing of the Holy Spirit that brings conviction and brings, brings that sense of judgment and that sense of eternity. And it's, it's a great show and a great production and a, and, a, and, a, and a great presentation. Sharon and I visited a few since we've been on, uh, in retirement just to see. And, man, they've got, they've got it together and they know what they're doing. And, man, it, it's just, it, you can tell, it's just scripted and it's just bam, bam, bam. And everything, it, it goes with like going to a, to a major show somewhere. But you, don't, but you leave empty because there's not the pulling of the Holy Ghost and not the drawing of the Spirit. I think they're going too fast. They're, they're, they're moving in a way of trying to judge the success by reaching people rather than changing people, rather than just making a difference in people's lives, just seeing lives present in what they're doing. Now, thank God, I, I hope this church explodes. I hope it explodes because people's lives are being changed. And people are being won to the kingdom, as you said, Brother Brian, and people's hearts are being changed. When you go too fast, you can put yourself in a position to be cast spiritually, to be in a position to where your, your spiritual legs are fraying and, your, and your, 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 your throat is being messed up and you're in a mess. we got to recognize there's a process, there's a, there's a degree of patience, there's a degree of yearning, there's a degree of waiting there's a degree of seriousness. This thing of following God and following the Word is not something to take lightly. It is an important thing to do. Can you say amen? amen. Number seven. Sheep can easily become cast when they eat the wrong food. This ties a little bit to what I just said, but the shepherd, part of the shepherd's responsibility, I have a series of messages I preach on the 23rd Psalm, and, it, and in that I, I go into depth with this, but the shepherd would not just take his flock to a field to graze without first checking out that field. Because there's two or three plants that grow in the Middle East that are very poisonous to sheep. And if they eat those plants, they can die, some of them instantly, some of them over a period of 24 hours or a little bit of time, because the plants are poisonous. And the shepherd was taught to recognize those plants. And the shepherd would go in and he would pluck out those plants in that field and clean the field up and get it ready for the, for the herd to come in. Occasionally, the shepherd, maybe there was a, one that he didn't know where there was something he missed and a sheep would eat the wrong food. When he ate the wrong food, he becomes, becomes disoriented. He becomes clumsy. He becomes, he becomes to a place that, that he can't, you know, do the things that he should do. And before long, he or she finds themselves cast and they find themselves flaying for life because they've eaten the wrong food. 
we need to be careful what we eat spiritually as well. There are a lot of things out there you can fill your spiritual appetite with. And the devil is smart enough to know that there is something within us that cries out for spiritual understanding. And something within us, because God created us body, soul, and spirit. We're just as much spirit as we are body and as we are breathing. And the spirit within us cries out for a higher power. It cries out for spiritual knowledge and for spiritual understanding. And we are curious. We are eager. Sheep are curious. That's why they, they wander around and we're like sheep. And that curiosity of wanting to find something different, wanting to find that different thing, will, if you're not careful, lead you into finding doctrines and teachings that are not verified by the Word of God. It'll find you following after those who, who tend to lead you in a way into things that, that will actually kill you spiritually rather than nurture you spiritually. The sad thing about it is, is if you're not careful and you, and you find yourself ingesting those things spiritually that will hurt you, it works in the same way that it does with the sheep. When the shepherd finds the sheep that has been ingesting things that are wrong to eat, if he gets there in time and he has the right antidote, the right medicines, he may can save the sheep's life and get them back on the right path by giving them things they should be eating. The same thing happens spiritually. I've had some cases in my ministry to where people got on tangents and they got led, a, led aside through through other doctrines and teachings. And I'm not trying to be judgmental because I believe the church of God's doctrine is based upon the word of God. And if it wasn't, I'd find a church that was. And, and that's the reason I'm here. And because this doctrine is on the, the, the complete, infallible word of God and the teachings of the word of God, we're not the only church like that. There's others that are like that. But there are those who are not. I mean, in today's society, I'm telling you, I didn't mean to say this, but I'm going to say it. I, I don't have too much restraints tonight, so as long as I can keep you awake, you'll be okay anyway. You get, you get the news and get to bed, you'll be all right. But, but in our society today, in, in fact, I don't know if you've heard in the past few weeks, there's a, there's a, there's a dichotomy happening within the Methodist church. And, 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 it, and it's a good thing because there's a group in the Methodist church that doesn't agree that it's okay for homosexuals to be part of the church and be teachers and leaders and be accepted as members of the church, be like everyone else. So they're saying if that's the kind of teaching you're going to follow, then we're not going to be part of it. We're going to withdraw ourselves and create our own denomination. I pray God bless them, let it happen. Because there's some things you cannot, you cannot justify, or you, cannot, yeah, you can't justify by the word of God it's that pleasing to self, those things that maybe taste good, that food that maybe feels good to your mind and spirit, but it does not bring reality. It brings judgment of God because it will bring spiritual death into a person's life. There's a young man that we pastored in Lakeland, Florida, a handsome young guy. He, uh, we share and I, we just talked about him yesterday in, in the car and this young man, is, his, his name is Brian. No, no situation, but his name was Brian. And Brian. Brian was a fine young man. He was just a, a fine leader in the youth group. And we've seen him slain in the spirit in the altar and seen him speaking in tongues and seen him involved in his whole family. And, and, and Brian now is out in San Francisco living with another man. And, and Sharon had, had, had sent him a note. I'd sent him a few, but Sharon, she gets preaching every once in a while. She can, that's how what keeps me straight. She keeps me preaching, pre preaching at me. But she, she sent him a message in love, and you ought to read what she said. I mean, it was eloquent. And, and let Brian know that, that we loved him, but, but it wasn't the right choice. And the next response we got from Brian was almost a stab in the back. Well, I've asked him to marry me because the laws have allowed us to do that. And, and then I, 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 I could go on, but I'm going to stop with that. But, but there's other things happening, and I see it in, in churches of people that I've pastored, and I, I see families embracing them and people embracing them and churches embracing them. And I see the door being opened for churches to say, it's okay, we, you know, God loves you, we love you. It's just a choice 
The schools are telling them that. The colleges are telling them that. Everything around us is telling them that. But I'm telling you, the Word of God doesn't tell you that. And, and we can love any sinner and love them. And, and you know, they, they, they can be part of what's going on, but they, they, they cannot be in that position of appreciation and that position of acceptance of what that, that is. That's just one thing. But what's happening in the church today, the church is trying to appease in many places its own desire, and they're eating the wrong thing. They're, they're ingesting those things that taste good and not those things that bring the balance of the Word of God. And that brings that brings a situation of being cast and to be down and to be flaying and to be dying or to be dead spiritually and not even know it. And it's the most dangerous place to be because you believe things are all right and you think things are okay and you're dead spiritually. How sad, but it's true. Acts 20 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves, and to all the flock among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. That's happening, folks. And if the church of God is not careful, in fact, you can mark it down. You mark it down. I'll probably see it in my lifetime. It scares me. But it'll probably come to the place in my lifetime, in your lifetime, that churches who stand on the authority of God's word will lose their tax shelters. They will lose their government standing, their, the separation of church and state. And if a church is going to receive that kind of benefit, it'll have to allow all these things to happen. And, and, and as pastors, we'll have to be marrying men and marrying men, marrying men and women, marrying women. And, and it's going to be a detriment. Let me, let me challenge you. Don't eat the wrong stuff. Eat the Word of God. Digest the Word of God. Let it be part of your life. And let it become meat on your bones spiritually that you will not shake and find yourself cast and find yourself in a position away from God and in a destitute way. Can you say amen? Now reach down and grab your seatbelt. We're about to go into some turbulence. Pull it just a one knot tighter, okay? And stay with me. Now, I probably needed to rename this one, but the next one, number, nine, number, number, number eight, says when they're old. I should have put when they're old or when they're lazy and old, or old or lazy. Look at that little you there. Don't you just see her saying, I can tell you something. I've been around. I know what's going on. Don't try to tell me what to do. You just listen to me. I'm the boss in this barnyard. Can't you see that? I see it, I see it in her eyes. I even see it in her nose. Even her ears are sort of pointed. I, I, say, I just dare you to tell me to do things no different. I see a little stubbornness in there. Help me, Jesus. Uh, you know, the shepherds, when you study the, the flock, that, that there was a point to where the, the older ones and the, and the rebellious ones were, were, were the ones that took a lot of their time. They had to keep some of the older ones around because they're the ones that bore the new lamb. But they had to really work with them because sometimes they would get lazy. They'd get non-responsive. Sometimes the old ones, they'd be, they'd be walking because they'd have to walk sometimes for miles from one pasture to, or, or from one green area to a, a, up the mountain to another area because the system was they would start, they would start in, the, in the lower valley just in early spring and it was cold on the mountain. And as the, the temperature began to rise up the mountain, they began to move the sheep up the mountain and, and eat the grass as it, it produced itself by the warm sunshine as you gained elevation. Sometimes the older ones or the lazy ones would just lay right down in the middle of the road and make the others run over them or run around them. The sheep, the shepherd have to go over and pull them out of the way or prod them a little bit and say, we got to go. We can't, we can't stay here. We got to get the food up there. If you stay here, you're going to die. But 
Sometimes the older ones just wouldn't go. Now, I know I should have preached this this morning, but I had nine points and I couldn't get here, all right? <laughs> but, but the reality is sometimes it's, it's difficult. And, and, and they didn't like going to new pastors. And new, they didn't like going to those new pastors. Sheep, sheep don't have a, a, a great memory. They don't remember a lot of things, but some studies have shown they remember where the food is, <laughs> like me. But they, 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 I, I know where Ruby puts that pound cake, and I can't wait to get back to church, back from church and get some of it when I get out of here, or at least tomorrow. But, but they remember where the, where the food was, and when the shepherd begins to take them to a new place, they, they sort of rebel. They, they like staying where, it, where they've been before. Am I preaching pretty good? Sometimes there are those that are sort of stuck where they are. They don't want to sing that new song. They don't want to follow that, that new program. Now, hey, I know, I, I know that I've already talked about you're eating the right thing and making sure you don't go into areas that's wrong. But God knows what's happening. You think God knew computers were coming? You better believe it. But I went through the time when we first put words on the wall, and I thought I was going to have a church split over it. That's honest to God, sir. I remember the first time we put drums in the church. Oh, Lord. I had one lady, I thought, I thought, honestly thought, she just, she, I, I thought she lost her religion. I, I don't know. I think she got okay. I, I'm not sure. But, but what I'm getting at is sometimes there are those that just can't tolerate what's going on. Now, I don't know if you watched tonight, but during praise and worship, I kept my eyes closed the entire time. I did that. I started to turn around and face that way so you'd say, well, what's happening to that crazy Larry tonight? But I didn't want to be that obvious because I wanted to be participative, and that's where I'm coming to in a moment. So I, I participated with my eyes closed, and now I got these new glasses that wear the fire out of me. Um, you know, this, my, my Bible print is shrinking. So I have to have these glasses. But, but, so I kept my eyes closed. So what I'm getting ready to say now has nothing to do with anybody that I know of. But you know, it amazes me in this process of having church. We come into God's house to worship and to worship him. And there's a, a, a segment or there are individuals, I'm, I'm talking about history of pastor, pastoring, that just will not participate. They're like those old or rebellious sheep that just lay down in the middle of the road. Now listen to me. I say this in love because it may be some of my family. I have no idea. Oh, help me, Jesus. But if you can push a lawnmower around your yard, if you can push a shopping cart up and down the grocery store aisle, if you can go out to the jockey lot and walk up and down those aisles out there, If you can walk in your car from your house to your door, you ought to be praising God and standing and being part of the conversation and part of the process of this going. Because a rebellion, one rebellious sheep sometimes stops the entire herd. Now let me give you a little exercise. The next time you go to your doctor, you're sitting in a chair and Doctor and said, Doc, I got a question for you. What's better for me? For me just to sit down? How long is the song? About three and a half minutes? I think they said it is. Maybe that's Pentecostal, maybe four. <laughs> Pushing five. And I've noticed you usually sing no more than about two at a time. Then you got us to sit down and come. I wish you'd sing about four or five and just let it go. But anyway, that, that's your that's your call, Pastor Produce call. But we sing about two, so that's about 10 minutes max. Go to your doctor and say, doctor, what's better for me? Just sit down on my rump? Just sit there? Or would it be better for me about every 10 minutes to stand up a little bit? And say, doc, is it better for me when I'm standing up just to stand there with my hands up? Or is it better for me to lift my hands up? I'm not a betting man, but I would bet you my car. He'd say, oh, Stand up as much as you can. In fact, when you're up, why don't you move your legs a little bit? 
Well, it hurts. Well, it don't matter if it does hurt. You ever had physical therapy? Lord have mercy. I, I got to have I, I got to have uh, surgery on my shoulder when I get back from Florida at the next six weeks. Isn't that a shame in this race? I got to go preach in Florida for six weeks. God forbid, but it's awful. But I, I I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Going to have to play some golf. Going to have to you know uh, I'm going to be at Disney, but I could care less about Disney. But it's warm down there anyway. But but I got to come back and have surgery, and it scares me that. I'm going, I've got this surgery, this shoulder problem for all these years of working. Scares me what they're going to do when I go to therapy. They're not going to say, well, just sit there and just let it lay there. It's going to be okay. No. They're going to grab that thing. They're going to twist it around behind my head. Anybody ever had shoulder surgery? No, don't tell me. Please don't tell me. Please don't tell me. But I just know I watched the video. They're going to pull that thing around behind my head. I'm going to say, oh, 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 that hurts. They, they're going to pull it behind me. They're going to yank it out. They're going to have me to get in the shower and turn the hot water on and, you know, shake this thing around. They're going to do all kinds of things because they know it's better for me to move my arms. Are you with me? Now, you go to the psychiatrist or the psychologist. You walk in and make an appointment. I'll pay for it. Well, I don't know. Maybe I will. And you say, Mr. Miss Psychologist, is it better for me just to say, yeah, it's a good day. I'm glad it's a beautiful day. Or is it better for me every once in a while just to let it go and say, no! Sure as I'm alive, that psychologist say, every once in a while, you just got to let it go. I'm about to shout. I'll be 69 years of age in about a week. But I feel like I can jump over that pulpit. Because, you know, when I get into God's house, you know what I want to do? I want to stand up. I want to be with a crew that's moving. I want to move my legs. I want to move my arms. I want to exercise. I want to shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah, but not just because I can scream, but hallelujah to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who shed the blood his blood on the cross of Calvary, the one who, who suffered for me on the cross. It's not, not too much for me to come into God's house for 10 minutes and to join the crowd and say, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to praise him because he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my King of kings. Why don't you stand and practice about two seconds, all right? Just stand and practice just a minute. <laughs> okay. Now you can sit down. I got through that. Hallelujah. I feel a load off of my shoulders. Again, I don't have anybody in mind, but if it hits you, Put it on and wear it, sister or brother. Let it wear. Number nine. We'll come to a close with this one. Another time, and one of the main times, if not the main time, that a shepherd found calf sheep was in the midst of a storm. In the writing of Scripture, and in the time when this cast sheep process came about, it wasn't like today. You go to the Middle East today, they've got the, the shepherds in the field have got buildings built that they can go to. And many of their sheep can go under the cover of, of a pavilion and be protected. But back in when this was wrote by David in the book of Psalms, there were no sheds. There might have been a cave. There might have been a few big trees. There might have been a ravine they could have hid in. But there was no protection like there is today. And sudden storms are very common in the area. In fact, you remember, Jesus was going across the Sea of Galilee where they left, everything was fine. In a matter of minutes, the storm came and, and the, 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 the disciples, you know, screaming for their life. They thought they was dying. I, I, I preached on the Sea of Galilee. You know, it, it's hard for the shepherds to see the flock in the rain. Because the rain 
the sheet of rain. And, and I was reminded of this when we were driving, home, driving down from Michigan on uh, whatever that Friday. It was, it was raining all the way from the time we got into Ohio to the time we got here. We went through rain or, or fog, and it, it was just tough. But in those difficult times, it, it's hard. When the rain comes, the ground gets, gets soaked, and it gets muddy, and it gets slick, and it, and it creates little ravines, and the sheep are trying to walk in all this mess, and they find themselves in many times turned over and turned upside down and cast in the middle of the storm. This process of flooding created a great position for danger. As you can see here, they, they try to stay together, and the shepherd is there, and they try to stay close to the shepherd as they can during those times because they know their safety is by the direction and the hand of that shepherd. They may not be able to be smart enough to know what the storm is doing. They're just dumb sheep. But they're trusting the shepherd knows what's happening in the storm. Oh, I felt something there. When we go through things as sheep, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's taking place around us. But I can tell you, the great shepherd knows what's happening in that storm. The great shepherd knows what's around the corner. He knows what we're going to face in the next few moments of our life and what's going to transpire. And he's there not to push us into the storm, but to protect us through the storm. He never promised us that we would not go through storms. He just promised in the midst of the storm, I'll be there. When you go through the water, I'll go with you. When you go through the fire, I'll be there by your side. When you go through the heartache, you can look at me, the shepherd, and I'll be there with you. When you're in your storm, you're not there by yourself. The Spirit of God is there with you. Isaiah said, For you have been a stranger to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. The psalmist said in our text this morning in chapter 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. One more as you read on in Psalm 37. It says, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, for he is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Hallelujah. Have you found yourself in the middle of a storm and you didn't know what to do? Well, David told us what to do. He said, trust the shepherd." Trust the good shepherd, and he'll get you through the storm, and he'll make sure that you get through safely in that storm. Come, I want to sing this song. I don't know, but I feel like there may be some of you here tonight that's going through a storm of your life. And if you're going through a storm and you're not careful, you'll find yourself cast. You'll find yourself turned upside down spiritually. And you'll wonder where and how you're going to get out of the storm. Hallelujah. When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet and when my life is all tattered and torn though I'm windswept I'm battered I'm gonna cling unto his cross and I'll find peace in the midst of the storm. Oh, there is peace in the midst of 
the storm Toss my There's an anchor There's a rock To wheel my faith upon Jesus Christ Is my vessel So Twenty-four short hours, years of living, are brought to moments when life's final picture is taking form. In the dark room of my suffering, there's a light shining through. Oh, and it gives me peace in the midst of my storm. Sing it with me. Oh, he gives me peace in the midst of the storm. There's an anchor. There's a rock. been broken till it's masked by misery when the doctor shakes his head and looks forlorn oh Jesus comes to my bedside a cathedral of faith and love oh he gives me in the midst of the storm. Stand with me and sing it tonight. Oh, he gives me peace in the midst of the storm. There's an anchor, there's a rock to cast my faith upon. Now there's one great, great, terrible danger in this story. Just remain standing. I'm coming to a time of altar. Many times, the sheep, in some studies have found, when they find themselves turned over in that cast position, their body is struggling so much to gain air in its lungs and struggling so much to try to exist that it really doesn't realize where it is and what's going on. It's only trying to exist and live. The most dangerous position anybody who calls themselves a believer can be in is to be in a position of spiritual lack and not know it. 
You know what I said? The most dangerous position for anyone who calls themselves a Christian to be in is to be in a position of spiritual need and not recognize it or not care or have no desire to do anything about it. It's dangerous. In the storm, it really happens because the perplexity of things around get their mind off of the intent of the goal to get up and to get on and to get into safety. It's the storms of life that will draw you in and bring you to that place that you are spiritually void and you don't know it. It's many of those places I've talked about that you will find yourself like Samson. You will shake yourself and wonder where God's spirit is. When you have a need and you pray and it seems like there's no answer and you wonder why, but you're really cast. And the spiritual life is not flowing. And you're dying spiritually and you don't know it. It's a terrible place to be. That's why it's important every once in a while to get up close to the shepherd. Let him rub your head and rub your wool. Rub your spirit and let you know there's life that's flowing inside. That's why it's good every once in a while to stand and sing until you can't sing anymore. To shout until you can't walk anymore. To praise God until you can't praise anymore. Just to know that there's no decay in my spiritual life and God is working in my life. Oh, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you haven't felt God in a while, if you haven't felt that touch of the Holy Spirit in a while, if you haven't felt the wooing of the Holy Ghost in a while, you better check yourself. You may be cast and just don't know it. You may be in the middle of a storm and you wonder how you're going to get out. I'll tell you how. Let the shepherd's hand pull you out of where you are and put you on solid ground. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he gives me peace in the midst of the storm. Toss by. Oh, there's an anchor. There's a rock to cast my faith upon. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. He's a vessel. He's the one that carries me there. Head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I know Sunday night is the Holy Ghost crown. Sunday night is generally the redeemed bunch. But I've noticed in the past few years, a lot of those who think they're in that group, they're spiritually cast. They're just there. Because they've been being there. Because they always were there. They need to feel the touch of God. They're going through storms in spiritual life and don't really know it. And they need to feel the touch of God in their life. I don't know who you are, who you may be doesn't matter if there's one or there's 93 tonight. I don't know. But I'm going to try to sing this first verse again. I'm about preaching my voice. I'm going to try to sing this first verse again. And if you're here and you feel like you need to be touched by the good shepherd, you feel like you need to, for God to sort of quicken your body and maybe rub the spirit of God afresh in I want you to come around this altar. I want you to find yourself a place to pray and say, God, I want to feel you one more time. I want to know that I'm not cast spiritually, but I'm on fire for you and I'm walking with a fold toward heaven's gates, okay? I'm going to sing it again if I can. The first verse. When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet when my life is all tattered and torn 
Though I'm windswept and I'm battered, I'm going to cling to his cross. Hallelujah. And there I'll find peace Hallelujah. in the midst of the storm. Come and pray if you need to. Oh, there is peace in the midst of the storm. to tell you to do. I want you to get a little groups. If you have to get out aisles, so I want you to get in groups. No less than five and no more than about seven or eight. But you have to move. Find a place. Get, get in some little groups. I want you to join hands in that group around. I want you to join hands with each other. And I want you to pray that the Spirit of God will touch everyone there. And pray that if there's anybody in that group that's cast, that needs the Spirit of God to quicken them, that His Spirit will touch them in a special way. I'm going to join these on the stage up here. And, and let's, let, let's just pray and believe together. Father, I, I just pray right now. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken us. Quicken us, oh God, that we will find ourselves in the position of service, the position of moving, the position of the fold, and not in the position of being cast. Oh God, I love you and thank you for what I believe in you. Jesus, Lord, I can't my best. Oh God, they happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. Today, so that again hasn't it been good today? Thank you, Brother Larry, Sister Sharon, again uh, for the service this morning and tonight. Thank you, Brother Larry. Enjoyed your word. Enjoyed the word from the Lord today. And I can just say, um, 
take to heart everything you said today. And uh, have a good week. See you Wednesday night.